Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we are talking about how to put thoughts of moderation on hold so that you can see how it feels to get a longer period of time without going back to trying to just have two glasses a night or drink two nights a week. My guest is Gail McDonald. She's a life and sobriety coach, an author, and the founder and nurturing voice behind Sober Bliss. And she's been happily alcohol-free since 2018. She loves words, tea, and trees. She is a calming, grounding presence. And I think you are going to love that on this podcast. So Gail, welcome. Thank you. That's such a lovely introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Well, you're so welcome. And I reached out to you to talk about this topic because it is the one that I think women struggle with the most as they're taking a break from alcohol. And I know that I did for years. The phrase I hear the most is, I just want to drink like a quote unquote normal person. And we have tried, most of us, to do that for years and years, regardless of whether we specifically called it moderation. We've tried to drink less. Mm. What do you think about the topic of moderation? What do you see? Yeah, it's such a common topic. It's something that I get asked about a lot because I think not drinking is scary. So automatically, we want to make it less scary. So therefore, if I can just drink less, then I'm still being, you know, quote unquote, good. But I'm still enjoying myself. I'm having all the, again, quote unquote, benefits of not drinking or of drinking. And I think it's it's a way in our minds, at least, 
to make it easier, even yes. though in reality, it's the hardest thing to do. Again, when I, you know, was going through this, I didn't probably use the word moderation either. It's the rules that we set ourselves. It's, you know, always thinking about it, even though we think that by thinking about it and managing it and controlling it, we're doing a better thing around it when really it's quite the opposite. So just because I think it'll be helpful for us to talk about this, what are all the different strategies that you tried to moderate before you quit drinking? It was things like, I will only drink at the weekend. I will only drink wine which was hopeless because I couldn't drink wine without getting absolutely wasted. So it was then, well, I'll only drink beer. (laughs) And then again, you know, when the beer ran out, then there was only wine there. So it was, you know, that was a no-brainer as well. Or it was limiting the amount that I would drink. You know, it's a weeknight, therefore I'll only have one or two. What else did I try? Having one day on, one day off. I think the weekend one was the worst because, no, maybe Sundays were even the worst. Sundays, I would say, I'm not drinking on a Sunday. Sundays, you know, a day of rest. I need to be fresh for the week kicking off again on Monday. So I need to be good. And I found Sundays such a struggle. And I don't know if it's because where my life was at the time, but they were pretty boring. You know, being at home with two young kids, is not easy no and then I thought well it's Sunday I'll start again on Monday the Mm -hmm. Sundays never went to plan either it was constantly thinking up rules for myself and putting restrictions around how much I could drink when and what in order to make myself feel like I was doing something about it yeah really and I mean I did all of those things Mm. the rules I switched from wine to beer I switched from um because I didn't like it as much I switched from red wine to white wine because I didn't like it as much I was never a hard alcohol girl so that was easy for me Mm. I definitely tried water between each drink only on the weekends i even tried buying box wine which by the way i do not suggest somehow in my mind the rationale was like oh it's because if i have three drinks there's so little left that i'm tempted to finish it so maybe if i don't have a bottle i'll drink less like bad idea don't try that but i also tried activities as a way to not drink. So I would join a running club that ran from 7 to 8 p.m., thinking that would curb my drinking. It didn't. I would be white-knuckling it, or I would come home and open a bottle of wine at 8, thinking I deserved it, still drank the bottle. Or I would sign up for workout classes at 5.30 in the morning so that I wouldn't drink too much the night before. And all that did was, again, white knuckle it for a few days, give up, and then feel really ill at my morning workouts. I would also try to do one of those, like, I'll do Whole30 because you can't drink wine on it. Or, you know, restricting what I would eat. And so I used to have a personal trainer and be like, oh, so I only ate. With the idea of like, I'm going to hire this trainer, so I'll drink less. And then I'd give her my log and be like, um, you know, egg white omelet, salad, asparagus and salmon, and then six glasses of wine, which now I'm embarrassed that I even ever showed her that. But she was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, I'm still in my calorie count. All that was doing was hitting me harder because I had no food in my belly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I remember doing that as well with a a food log. And I wasn't as honest with you and I would not put down exactly how many beers I'd had that day. (laughs) 
to make it all neat and tidy in, in a book, you know, tied up with a bow, if you like. Well, I think after she was so, so shocked, I stopped writing it down, which, you know, was interesting. I was like, why am I not achieving my goals? It's hysterical. The reason I wanted to first talk about the ways we tried to moderate, and I bet there are a million more, mm. is because women I talk to will take a break from drinking. They'll get to 30 days. They'll be feeling so much better. Somehow in their minds, they'll say, oh, it wasn't even that hard. Forgetting the hundred times they tried previously and hadn't gotten past day two or week two. Mm. And then they will say, you know, I don't know if I even ever tried to moderate before I stopped drinking. They're like, no, I just drank. I didn't try to moderate. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that you did, that we did. Yeah. And one of the, the things I love in terms of like, how do you put thoughts of moderation out of your mind? Mm. When you were stopping drinking, write down what you want to stop happening. You know, why you actually want, want to stop drinking because you will mm. get further away and feel better and forget or minimize. And then what you've tried before to control your alcohol intake. What do you, mm. what do you think about that? Have you done that with clients? I have. And it's that whole openness and bringing awareness to the situation. Cause I don't think that we can really change something unless we are, you know, completely 100% aware of it. And as we know, when we are trying to not drink certainly when I was you know going through the moderation phase I would tell myself little fibs so I would hide the truth so I wouldn't admit perhaps as to just how much of an impact it was having on my life so by being open about it and really having that awareness and, and noticing and focusing on what actually is going on here and how do I want to feel and Dead, I think that is really powerful. As long as we're honest with ourselves, then it's it's like a starting point, isn't it? It's like, okay, well, this is actually what's happening. So where can I go from here? What can I do instead? Yeah. I I love that you said both why where am I and getting mm. honest about that. And this again is just for yourself. So yeah. you can remember. And then also, what do I want instead? And I actually have, I, I wrote myself notes when I was, you know, trying to stop drinking. I wrote myself notes in my phone notebook before I stopped. And so I have that. And the things I said were like, I want to feel better. I want to stop waking up at 3 a.m. I want to stop avoiding my husband's eyes. Mm. I want him to stop asking me how I'm feeling. I want to stop forgetting the shows I watch at night. I want to stop falling asleep on the couch, which let's be real was passing out and my husband couldn't wake me up. Um, I want to stop feeling like crap in the morning. Mm. Like that's enough, you know? That's enough of a reason. Um, there were more. There were definitely more. There were the lows, but it was sort of the daily anxiety and feeling shaky and mm. quitting on myself. That was what I didn't want. What I wanted was to feel proud of myself, to run a 10K, because I always told myself that I would, to get a good night's sleep and not wake up at 3 a.m. to do more things that bring me joy. Like that was what I wanted to feel instead. And keeping those two in mind helped me because I could be like looking back, oh, that that is what's changed. I am doing that. That's what mm. I want. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like to focus on 
you know, especially with my clients, and it helped me as well to focus on the good things that not drinking would do for me, that would bring me. I really try to focus on how I wanted to feel as opposed to how I didn't want to feel. Because personally, it just made me feel worse if I focused on, you know, the shame oh, yeah. and the guilt and all of that. And I saw in my head that that's what sobriety was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, beating ourselves up for how bad we were, that we couldn't moderate, moderate, that we couldn't drink like a normal person and there must be something wrong with us and it was going to have to be a struggle from here on in. And that didn't sound like much fun at all. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's focus on what I want instead and how does yeah. that make me feel? And that's what I do in most of my coaching now. I get people to connect to the feeling that they want to experience when they're not drinking or even just the thought of it because I find it so much more powerful if you can, you know, physically feel how good it is to wake up without a hangover, mm-hmm. how delicious the food is when you haven't had a drink and how blissful the sleep is Um, because that will, you know, keep you going when it gets challenging and it's a struggle um and when those thoughts of moderation do creep in because you're like well no because if i have a drink now then it will disrupt my sleep i won't feel as lovely as i do in the morning i won't appreciate those magical moments with my kids or whatever um so that was really powerful for me to, you know, keep knocking those thoughts of moderation at bay. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I'm a big vision board person. I find that it keeps what I want front and center because it's so easy to get off track mm-hmm. just with daily life when things come up. And so I created just, you know, a little sign that had the quote that motivated me in the beginning. And it said, create a life that feels good on the inside, not just one that looks good on the outside. And I put pictures of Paris because I wanted to go to Paris. And I put pictures of me when I was 26 and I was riding a scooter by myself. It was like this orange scooter. Um, Nantucket, which is this gorgeous island in North America on the East Coast where I had friends and I, I scooted around all these lighthouses and I did, I took photography and I sat on the beach by myself and ate a sandwich. And it was just that moment of pure joy that there was no alcohol involved. And when I was feeling horrible and defensive and irritated and worried like that was so far from the way I was um so just that idea of I want to create a life that feels good on the inside and then I also had a sign that was like more sunsets more joy more road trips more love more books more walks like all those things that there's so much to love that isn't in a bottle yeah absolutely absolutely it's so important i think to keep reminding ourselves of all of those things all of the mores that are ours um when we do let go of the alcohol because you know it's quite a common thing to hear it's the gift that keeps on giving and it just gets better and it really does i know it's cliche but it really does And that might be so powerful to remember in the early days because often we do do the beginning again and again and again and over and over. We do the hard bit the most. And that's kind of the image that we can get in our head. That's what sobriety is like. It's so hard. It's so difficult. I feel awful. So, of course, moderation 
if you put it again, you know, day one over and over, it is slightly more appealing. Yeah. However, if we give ourselves the chance to experience more time, more peace, more space, then that's when the benefits can really kick in and, and yeah. take hold. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety, and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Oh my gosh, can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com dot com with promo code hello that's happy m a m m o t h dot com and use promo code hello for 15% off your first order i think how to you know the idea of how to put thoughts of moderation on hold the strategies are different whether you're in your first 30 days or whether you're further along. So in my mind, in your first 30 days, thoughts of moderating are what stops you from ever getting out of the drinking cycle, that craving reward cycle. I think that alcohol is like a magnet. The closer you are to your last drink, the stronger the pull is on you. So when you're First, getting started, I think one of the most useful strategies to avoid thoughts of moderation is to stop thinking about forever, to set a goal. I like a hundred days because 30 days in my mind is tricky um, because your mind immediately thinks of moderation. So, oh, I'm reset. I'm good. That wasn't that hard. Um, and you want to get past that to really, like you said, experience the benefits, but saying, okay, I'm not going to drink for a hundred days, picturing whatever season it is. So spring or fall or, you know, winter and picturing all the things you always said you wanted to do that you haven't done that you just haven't gotten around to, like whether it's snowshoeing or um, reading books in a hammock or whatever it is and just saying, okay, this is my goal. 
It's a wellness challenge. It's not forever. Hopefully that'll put the thoughts of moderation on hold in the beginning to give yourself a chance. And if you're further along in sobriety, like 40 days, 50, 100, six months, Mm. then going back to what you wrote in the beginning, because the fading effect bias is real, right? Like I wasn't that bad. I -hmm. never tried to moderate. I can just drink on vacation and restart. And for me, one of my thoughts was, and this is hysterical. Um, my life is better now. Like I have more tools. I'm more centered. My relationship is better. Work is less stressful. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I can drink moderately because my over drinking was situational because yeah. my life was really hard. It's mm-hmm. so funny because the reason my life was better and work was less stressful and my relationship was better was because I wasn't drinking, not, mm-hmm. and, and somehow I didn't realize that. So what I like to think of is the goal is not to just go through your life, not drinking. That is not the goal. Like sobriety mm-hmm. is the foundation that allows you to do everything else you want in life. So instead of your goal being to moderate, Set a different goal that's aligned with alcohol-free life. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you want to do, whether it's going to coaching school or getting a vacation home or running a 10K or starting knitting or guitar, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What do you think? What about thoughts of moderation in your first 30 days and then when you're further along? For me, it was really important to make not drinking, to make living alcohol free part of who I was, part of who I am. So instead of seeing it as, you know, a 30 day or a three months or whatever it was, kind of, I suppose, goal or challenge, I thought that I would make it just who I was now. I was just somebody who didn't drink. And that in some ways made it easier for me. Because oh, yeah. I wasn't, you know, looking ahead and what will I do after this period of time? And when I get to a month, then I can celebrate with a drink or whatever it was. So I had a mantra in the beginning and I talk about this a lot on my podcast. I mention it uh, in my book and in my blog. My mantra was, I am not drinking no matter what. And I tie that in with a Michael Jordan quote when he said, you know, once I made the decision, I never thought about it again. Mm. So those two hand in hand really helped me to just put all thoughts of moderation completely out of my head because I'd already decided that no matter what, I just wasn't drinking. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day or if I'm happy or if I'm sad or if it's Christmas or if it's in a month's time or in six months. It doesn't matter. I'm just not drinking. Mm-hmm. And that made it, it felt like firm ground to walk on again as opposed to always, you know, will I, won't I? How long was it going to yeah. be this time? And You're not deciding every occasion. You're not. One of the things I like about that strategy is that it immediately switches you to solution mode versus debating. So Mm. then if your goal is 100 days, which then I love extending it, of course, to Mm. six months and then a year. But say your goal is 100 days, you're say, oh, I'm 20 days into my 100-day goal. I am not drinking right now. So what else can I do? Like, you're just moving past. And Jen Sincero, who wrote the You Are a Badass series of books, I'm a huge fan of hers, said, you know, deciding is freedom. 
indecision is what's torture. She's like, you don't go up to your bedroom every night and sit around for 20 minutes debating whether you're going to brush your teeth and just being like, will I, won't I, do I need to, are they that dirty? I don't want to get my toothbrush wet or whatever. Like, no, you just do it. You don't even think about it. And that's that just not doing that. I mean, it sounds so simple. One of the things, so I took a group course with Holly Whitaker before she wrote Quit Like a Woman. This was eight years ago. There were like a hundred of us in there. And she said something that resonated with me. And she said, you know, I can't fuck with alcohol. You know, the idea is like, I have burned my hand on that hot stove enough times. Like if I put my hand on the hot stove, it is going to burn. And so the idea with that is the way way she says it, she swears a lot. And I do too. Is like, what can I fuck with? Right? Like, what do you want? Why do you want to drink? Is it that you're bored? Is it that you are not connected to your partner? Are you feeling left out? Are you thinking, this is all too hard. I'm overwhelmed. Be like, okay, I want to drink because I feel like this is all too hard. Well, what else can I do to get rid of that feeling? It's probably that this is all too hard. Like you need to drop things off or like, okay, I want to drink because I want to connect with my husband. Mm -hmm. All right. That's why I want to drink. What else can I do? I mean, it moves you to solution. It does. Yeah. Often I say to people, you know, drinking is fixing this bit here on the surface in that moment. But what it's really doing is masking what's underneath the surface. So let's try and figure out what's really going on. Um, Like you said, am I, you know, simple things. Am I bored? Am I hungry? Am I stressed? Am I tired? Look at the immediate um situation and think, what can I do? So that was where my mantra really helped because I'd already made the decision that I wasn't going to drink. So my next thing was, well, what can I do instead? Okay, it's Saturday. <gasps> I've never done a whole Saturday without drinking in for as long as I can remember. So what can I do instead? And it shifted the focus because I think when we're moderating or trying to moderate, the focus is still very much on alcohol and drinking and thinking yeah. about drinking. Whereas when we decide or choose that I'm not going to drink and that's going to be, you know, where I go from here, then your focus shifts to what would a non-drinking person do right now? And it's incredibly liberating, I found, that when there's thoughts of drinking, shall I, shan't I, when can I, when they're gone, all of a sudden this new insight comes in and we've suddenly got imagination again and we're creative and we think of new ideas. Um, because alcohol just takes up so much space in our head. So I think it's good to try and remind ourselves if we do think about moderating that situations, I suppose, can be much easier dealt with when we shift the focus away from alcohol. You learn different ways to cope. You learn different ways to relax or to unwind, or to, you know, get energized again. Mm -hmm. Because alcohol is just not there anymore to do that. So you find more interesting ways, more sustainable ways, I think, to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I also like to encourage women to do is to one share your goal share your alcohol free goal with everyone Mm. just in a very very positive way and you know whether it's oh i'm not drinking for a 100 days 
that will, or six months or whatever, that will make it a lot harder to decide to just have a glass or two. That is one thing that can help you put thoughts of moderation on pause until you get further away from it. The other thing I like them to do is to actually romanticize sobriety. So when you are romanticizing drinking, your thoughts are, for example, it's social, it's sophisticated. I want to sit at the restaurant with a fireplace and have a glass of red wine. My partner won't think I'm fun if I don't drink. That's romanticizing alcohol. Drinking helps me relax, sleep, deal with anxiety. I'm happier when I drink. All that kind of stuff. Romanticizing sobriety is saying I'm fully present and I remember the entire night. I can't tell you how many nights I literally don't remember. I was absent from the things I was most looking forward to. Or I can go out to dinner and I drive home without any worries of getting pulled over or not being safe. That is romanticizing sobriety. Or I went out on a date with my husband and I could still go on a run at 8 a.m. the next morning. Or even I went to Italy when I was four months sober, which was very hard, but also really good. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways I romanticized sobriety, you know, it takes creativity and effort was I love photography and I got up at 7 a.m. and took photographs of the canals and the buildings before all the tourists took over, just the locals or quiet waterways and bridges. Like that is, oh my gosh, this is what I get from not drinking. Absolutely. I love that. It is focusing on what you're gaining uh, as opposed to what it is you think you might be giving up. And keep those things front and center and gently remind yourself that perhaps if I did have that one or two glasses of wine, then it's going to impact these lovely things that I've got planned or that I want to do instead. Um, so yeah, shifting the focus, I think. And as you said, romanticizing sobriety, focusing on the good things that not drinking allows us to to do and to have and to feel rather than, you know, what in our mind moderation might give us, which is not very much. Apart <laughs> from a full head and a lot of stress, I find. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash someday. The other thing I like people to do is just get real with their language. If you've written down that list of the ways you've tried to moderate, mm. you know, how long you've gotten, I always ask clients like, what's the longest period of time you've gotten without alcohol in the past two years? For some women, it's four days. For some women, it's 40 days or more. So if you've only gotten four days, the idea that you can moderate and just do 30 days again whenever you want 
if you haven't done more than four, four days or two weeks in the last two years, just gets real mm-hmm. about the likelihood that you would do that and how precious sober momentum is. If yeah. you've gone 30 or 40 days alcohol free and you're like, Oh, maybe I'll moderate. I ask, how did you feel when you weren't drinking? 90% of the time women are like, Oh, I felt amazing. I was really proud of myself. I was fun. It wasn't as hard as in the beginning before. Mm. If you've had a period of time alcohol free and yet you are back trying to do this again, and finally getting to 30 days again, or whatever your highest point was, the idea that you can go back and drink minimally and not have it control your life, you've tried that, and you are back here trying to feel better again. So just in turn, I like women to just change their language and say, versus, oh, I'm just going to have a glass of wine at dinner with my husband and no shade here. I did that. And it took me two years to get back to not drinking, but that was my line. Um, Just say, I'm choosing to dive back into the drinking cycle. Like, just don't gloss over what you're doing because that is what the choice is, which is okay. You can make whatever choice you want, but don't You know, for me, it was, oh, I just want to have a glass of wine on a date night with my husband after I'd been sober for a period of time. That wasn't really what I was doing. I was like, I want to drink again, and I'm choosing to dive back into that cycle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to remember that often it's not really, you know, us who are making those decisions it's the addictive part of our brain because even 30 days even six months or a year there's still that little you know bit of it still lingering there which is trying to trick us if you like or you know not drinking for that part of our brain is uncomfortable so it just wants to get back to where it feels comfortable And I also found that really helpful to separate, you know, that part of me from the real me. So it wasn't actually me who was wanting to moderate. It was that other part of me. Maybe you probably heard people, well, the wine witch or the wine whisperer or the beer monster and trying to detach from that and say, okay, well, it's just, the wine witch whispering on my shoulder it's not really me so let's not listen to that and do what I want deep down that was quite empowering and it made it more of a fun challenge is that the right word you know to not listen to this little devil on your shoulder and to do your own thing which is a bit rebellious as well to make it more of a you know, I'm doing what I want and you can sit there and whisper in my ear all you want, but I'm not going to change my mind. Um, that really helped in some tricky situations to yeah. detach and to distance from yeah. that voice as well. I completely agree with you that recognizing your addictive voice, which often is what tries to pull you back into drinking again, is really important. Um, and that voice can sound like you, you can have just one, or you're better now, or you deserve this. This has been so hard. Anyone would drink or you got promoted or it's New Year's Eve or it's vacation. Anyone would drink like or any of those thoughts are rationalizations yeah. that are your addictive voice. And I called mine Wolfie because that's what my coach called it. I worked with Belle at Tired of Thinking About Drinking and I got a leather keychain that literally said F-U-W and I used to rub it like a rabbit's foot. Like it was just on my (laughs) keychain and just 
And of course that meant fuck you, Wolfie. And I, you know, I remember driving back from uh, work one day and this new brewery went in under this new apartment building they were building in my town. And it was like a hundred different beers from around the world. And my thought immediately went, fuck. I've stopped drinking right when they put in this new brewery. Now I am never going to be able to get there. Why did they just add this great new date night spot? I'm going to miss out. And immediately I was like, oh, my God, that's my fucking Wolfie voice. Like, you Wolfie. (laughs) And of course, I have been to that brewery many, many times. You know, not right when I was getting sober, obviously, but in the years since, they have a fantastic selection of non-alcoholic beers in addition to beers. Um, I wouldn't have gone there in the beginning, but no, that is a stupid voice and it's not yours, you know? And by the way, the voice that tells you, you never really tried to moderate or this time will be different. That's your addictive voice too. Yeah, same voice. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also worth remembering that the longer you do have without alcohol, you know, the more time that passes, then those thoughts of moderation will get less and less. You know, the stronger you become, the more comfortable you feel within yourself as being a person who doesn't drink then it will get less frequent. The thoughts will become, you know, not as strong. They might, you know, just be fleeting. Yes. So just because it feels difficult now, try not to tell yourself that it's always going to be like that because it, it won't. And it that's really helpful. Won't. It yeah. really won't. Yeah. And I know if you're listening, you probably don't believe us, but Trust us. I have had mm. over a hundred guests on my podcast. They are all sober and every single one of them says like, I just don't even think about it now. I no longer struggle with the decision. It may come up every once in a while. And, mm. you know, in my mind, I say two things to myself. One is this is when I used to drink, mm. meaning it's sort of code in my mind for like, fuck, this sucks. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it means. Or, oh, my God, this is going to be a challenge. Or when I see someone having a glass of red wine at a bar, whatever, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I used to love that, but it isn't worth it to me anymore. I know where it takes me, the consequences. And I just mean emotionally craving mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. is not worth it to me. But the other thing my clients say to me is like, I just want to be able to have a glass of wine on the deck with my husband. And I'm like, you can. There are non-alcoholic wines. Like if that truly is what you want, mm-hmm. I think Janie Lee Grace, who does the um Alcohol-Free Life podcast, I think, um, she says, keep the ritual, change the ingredients. So part of what I think is like, just be honest, is it that you want the glass of wine or the drink or the beer? Or is it that you want the alcohol to hit your brain? And because there are just incredible non-alcoholic substitutions now that taste the same, but won't interrupt your sleep and make you feel like shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and. Also think about in those situations, what is it that you really want? What is it that you're perhaps craving in that moment? One of the ladies who I worked with said when she used to come home from school, she was a preschool teacher, so really stressful, high energy job all day. When she came home, all she wanted was that wine just to bring her down and to relax. Um, and that was what she wanted, not the wine, but the relaxation and the calming down and, and the chilling out. 
So we worked a while on how else could she achieve that. And in the end, it was peppermint tea and sitting down on the sofa just for five minutes by herself. It wasn't the wine at all. It was what the moment gave her. Yes. So it's probably worth, you know, asking yourself those questions. What is it about, I don't know, wine on a rooftop restaurant with my husband that I really want? Is it the Mm -hmm. wine or is it the lovely situation and the atmosphere? And, you know, you can have all of that. As you said, it doesn't matter what's in your glass. Um, yeah. again, shift the focus away from the alcohol, shift yeah. the focus to the feelings and the moment. And that will help to not only put those thoughts of moderation on pause, but it will also help to make them appear less frequent. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And the other thing that I think and and women have said to me often, um, you know, I just want to have X on mm-hmm. Y event, drink on special occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites uh, was what if I do seasonal sobriety? Like I drink during the holidays, but not in the spring or like during July, but not August. Mm-hmm. and. In my mind, there's mindset work to be done there, right? Because you are holding on some idea that a glass of red wine with a steak or white wine with fish or, you know, champagne on New Year's Eve or a beer at a fire pit is inherently more valuable than um, another another beverage. And that is marketing. I worked in marketing for 20 years. We did focus groups. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars testing different things to appeal to audiences to make them associate their product with a need or with an event. And so getting to be an informed media consumer is really helpful. And I don't know any woman who doesn't stop drinking, get away from it, and suddenly get really fucking angry at all the messages she's seen, the memes, the jokes, the bullshit, the fact you can't buy a birthday card for a woman over 30 that doesn't have a wine reference. Yeah, I know. I know. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it, or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings, or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time and I would love to see you in the course.
it is so unbelievable and blatant just how much they turn us against ourselves, if you like, in that way, because we know that it's not really good for us. If you've got a hangover, you know that you've just drank something that doesn't agree with you, but yeah, if it's pink and if it's in pretty packaging and it's, you know, once in a while and what's the harm? I think at the end of the day, alcohol is an addictive substance. So the more you drink, the more you're going to want to drink. So this idea of, as you said, seasonal moderation or from time to time is just that addictive part of us still wanting to keep up with that behavior. And I genuinely think the only way to put those thoughts of moderation on hold and to get through them is to keep reminding yourself that alcohol doesn't serve you, you know, that it's not the be all and end all and that it's going to get easier. You're going to get through it. You're going to get stronger. And at the end of the day, it will not have it the same power and hold over you that it does seem to. I really love that quote from the labyrinth when Sarah speaks to, you know, right at the end, the goblin king, and she says, you have no power over me. And it, everything just falls away. And I find that with alcohol, recognize that alcohol really, as a substance, has no power. It's a little bit of poison in a glass. That's all it is. It's everything that surrounds it, all the marketing. And if you can keep reminding yourself that that's all it is, and there's so much more on the other side of that, then I do believe that those thoughts of moderation will get less frequent. And you're going to feel so much more empowered by making those choices for yourself. You know, I chose, I decided, I did this. It wasn't the advert or the pretty pink bottle. It was me, far more powerful than any, you know, ad campaign. I yeah, I, yes, I'll just say that. Yes. <laughs> so I know we've talked about a lot of different things. I have loved this conversation. If you're walking or driving or doing something else and you want to put some of those thoughts of moderation on hold so that you can get further along in alcohol-free life till you feel better. So you can stop going up to go to bed and spending 20 minutes debating whether or not you should brush your teeth. I'm going to put all these strategies in the show notes. and the notes of what Gail said and I have said, because I want you to be able to just digest them and have sort of a cheat sheet mm -hmm. of different ways to shift your thinking. So hopefully you can go to this episode, print them off, take notes, take a screenshot, and just have that in your back pocket. So Gail, I know people are going to want to follow up with you your input has been amazing. How can they find you? They can go to my website, which is Sober Bliss. So sober-bliss.com. I also have a book out, so you can find me on Amazon there. I'm on Substack. I'm on YouTube. Basically, if you type in Sober Bliss, then I should come up somewhere. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been so wonderful. Really enjoyed it. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. 
We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more.